This Post Reports podcast is sponsored by Fidelity, financial planning that moves with your life. Learn more at fidelity.com slash your goals. Fidelity Brokerage Services, member NYSC SIPC. The actions of the Trump presidency revealed a dishonorable fact of the president's betrayal of his oath of office, betrayal of our national security, and betrayal of the integrity of our elections. Therefore, today... I'm announcing the House of Representatives moving forward with an official impeachment inquiry. I'm directing our six committees to proceed with their investigations under that umbrella of impeachment inquiry. The president must be held accountable. No one is above the law. From the newsroom of The Washington Post. ¿Cómo está? Te habla Elisa Hernández del Washington Post. This is Cleve Lutzen with The Washington Post. It's Ellen Nakashima. This is an extra edition of Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Tuesday, September 24th. Today, the launch of a formal impeachment inquiry into President Donald Trump. What that means and what happens next. Obviously, this is a very significant moment, maybe more symbolically than practically. I'm Aaron Blake, senior political reporter for The Fix. For you, what does it feel like after having talked about impeachment for the better part of probably close to three years, an impeachment inquiry is finally going to happen? It's a little bit anticlimactic, but it does feel like a significant step in the direction of a potential impeachment of a president, which would be historic, of course. I think that we shouldn't oversell that this necessarily means the president will be impeached. Nancy Pelosi, though, is maybe the biggest name in Democratic politics who has steadfastly resisted using the I word in any real context. And so the fact that she now says that this is an impeachment inquiry, that it's formal, and that she's lending her support to it really clears the way for other holdouts in the Democratic Party to come on board with that and also clears the way for Democrats to maybe get a little bit more serious about pursuing avenues that they maybe otherwise wouldn't have. So we went into this week knowing that President Trump had had a phone call with the Ukrainian president asking him to investigate Joe Biden and his son, and that Democrats were trying to get more answers on that. But somehow in the last 48 hours, this has developed from Democrats trying to get more answers to Democrats launching an impeachment inquiry. How did that happen? Well, the White House basically dismissed this as a ridiculous allegation over the weekend. But on Monday, the president admitted that he had actually discussed the Bidens in his phone call with the Ukrainian president. We had also known over the weekend that there was a situation in which the White House and the Trump administration had withheld hundreds of millions of dollars in aid to Ukraine in August and ending in mid-September. We learned on Monday that that actually was a decision that was taken shortly before the conversation with the Ukrainian president. So all the while, Nancy Pelosi is sounding out Democrats on this issue. We've seen more Democrats coming out for impeachment. More than anything, the set of circumstances here, which involved the administration basically flouting a rule about turning over these kinds of complaints to Congress, that left Democrats with increasingly little choice but to go bigger and to start talking in terms of an impeachment inquiry. So what exactly did Speaker Pelosi say today? 
the actions taken to date by the president have seriously violated the Constitution, especially when the president says, Article 2 says I can do whatever I want. So Nancy Pelosi gave a brief statement at 5 p.m. in which she stood behind a podium and she delivered a message that basically said not a whole lot more than the president has done a lot of things that are beyond the pale. She used some very tough words, maybe tougher than she had used in the past about uh, abuses of authority, about abuses of the Constitution, being in violation of the Constitution. And then she essentially said, I am supporting a formal impeachment inquiry because we need to get to the bottom of this. For the past several months, we have been investigating in our committees and litigating in the courts so the House can gather all the relevant facts and consider whether to exercise its full Article I powers, including a constitutional power of the utmost gravity, approval of articles of impeachment. And then she essentially left without taking questions. So we don't know a whole lot more beyond that. And I think that she understandably wanted to keep it very focused on a very limited announcement and not get into too many of the details. She also used a lot of lofty language and kind of couched this announcement in the framing of the founding fathers. Like there was this constitutional responsibility that the House of Representatives has to do this. In the darkest days of the American Revolution, Thomas Paine wrote, the times have found us. The times found them to fight for and establish our democracy. The times have found us today. Not to place ourselves in the same category of greatness as our founders, but to place us in the urgency of protecting and defending our Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And the words of Ben Franklin, to keep our republic. They've been talking somewhat in those terms before. And one of the arguments that critics of Pelosi have been raising is if you're talking about all these abuses of power, about how the president has finally gone too far, this is the tool that you have at your disposal to take care of this. The Justice Department isn't going to do anything because they say they don't indict sitting presidents. The one remedy that exists for presidential wrongdoing is the House bringing impeachment articles and the Senate potentially removing the president. So if you're going to talk about how the president has gone too far, how they're abusing power, how they're going outside of the Constitution, how can you in the same breath say, well, this isn't also worthy of our impeachment powers? So how exactly is this impeachment inquiry going to work? Well, the process for impeachment inquiries is not detailed in the Constitution in a whole lot of detail. And we only have a few different examples of Congress actually going down this road. Of course, we had the impeachments of Andrew Johnson back in the 1800s. We had the impeachment of Bill Clinton late 90s, which people might have heard of. And then we had the uh, an impeachment inquiry into Richard Nixon that was going to lead to impeachment before Nixon resigned. I think if you look at the last two impeachments, the, the Nixon one was a lengthy inquiry that was basically handled alongside the Watergate investigation. The Bill Clinton was much more of the kind of cursory vote that we were talking about. Ken Starr had already done all the work. The House just decided that they were going to impeach based upon that, and they held basically kind of a two-month process. And do you see that the, the Clinton example is more of the appropriate corollary here? I think we're actually going to see it more similar possibly to the Nixon situation because they actually have to investigate things that aren't already part of an investigation. Uh, you know, the Mueller investigation has all the Russia stuff out of the way. 
but we have all this Ukraine stuff that they need to get through. We don't know a whole lot of those details right now. And so I think what maybe makes this more appealing for Nancy Pelosi right now is not just that this provides another avenue for finding potential wrongdoing by the president, but it also allows them to to kind of drag this out a little bit, be a little bit more cautious about what they're doing and not just jump headlong into this. So how does this impeachment inquiry comport with the many different investigations that are happening in many different House committees right now? There have been many investigations that have been feeding into a potential impeachment, but really this focuses it much more on what the House Judiciary Committee is doing. The Judiciary Committee is the one that's actually tasked with the impeachment inquiry. They are the ones that would vote on articles of impeachment and sending them to the broader uh, House. So I think you're going to start to see maybe more of this stuff focused on the Judiciary Committee in a way it hadn't been before just because they had the actual power and now it's more formalized. That's not to say that other committees aren't going to continue to conduct oversight. We, of course, have a, a hearing this week where Joseph McGuire, the acting uh, director of national intelligence, is going to testify in front of the House Intelligence Committee. Uh, there's certainly a role for them in the Ukraine investigation, given that this is an intelligence matter. But this is going to really increase the amount of focus that we have on the Judiciary Committee because they actually have the power to vote on this eventually. So if the House Judiciary Committee is going to be the one in charge of the impeachment inquiry, does this give them investigative powers that they didn't previously have that they now will have when they're looking at the Ukraine investigation? The short answer is that it might, but we don't know yet. The White House and the Trump administration have been putting up a very strong wall against House efforts to subpoena uh, and compel the testimony of members of the administration. Uh, at one point back in May, the, the White House counsel, Pat Cipollone, actually said that congressional investigations are intended to obtain information about potential legislation and that they didn't have the authority to essentially conduct oversight unless that oversight would actually lead to some kind of a legislation. In this situation, Congress is now exercising a power that is laid out in the Constitution. They are doing something that they are expressly charged with in the Constitution. So if we are having fights over subpoenas and who has to testify and issues like that, that potentially helps Congress's hand when it comes to arguing that they have a compelling interest in getting these things handed over to them. Uh, and so we don't know exactly how that's going to shake out, but that's long been the argument. And by the way, it's been an argument that the the White House has fought against and the Justice Department have fought against. They have said this is not officially an impeachment inquiry, so they don't necessarily get entitled to this kind of stuff. So now that it officially is, that in theory makes the case better for Democrats trying to get a hold of this information. I think that that's the hope, certainly by Democrats. It's untested legal ground. The Trump administration has put up such a fight over so many of these subpoenas in unprecedented ways, which means we don't understand how these things are actually going to shake out in the courts. Have we heard from President Trump yet? President Trump has responded to this in basically the way that you would expect. He's called it a witch hunt. He said that Democrats are are after him and going to do anything to take him down. He curiously suggested that they were trying to distract from a very successful day that he had at the United Nations that hmm. generally hadn't made a whole lot of news uh, before the Pelosi announcement. Though while Trump was at the U.N., he was actually talking about this situation, talking about his phone call with the Ukrainian president, saying that there was no quid pro quo when he was trying to convince the Ukrainian president to investigate Joe Biden. Right. The, the Ukraine situation has already 
overshadowed anything that would occur at the United Nations this week. And it was never going to be anything but Ukraine, especially given the president's going to meet with the Ukrainian president on Wednesday. He's now said that he's going to release the transcript of his phone call with the president. And we're going to see the, um, the testimony of the acting DNI on Thursday. And what have we heard that Republicans are saying so far? Well, the short answer is not a whole lot. And when they have been asked about this, they have generally steered it back towards the allegations against the Bidens need to be looked into in some way, shape or form. I thought it was interesting, though, that we saw on Tuesday afternoon, the Senate actually voted unanimously in a non-binding resolution to tell the administration to turn over this whistleblower complaints. But Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell did not object to that. They essentially let it pass. Uh, and he said that he wanted the situation to be dealt with. They want, He wanted the facts to come out. And I wonder if that is because Republican congressional leadership see this situation differently than how President Trump sees it. That President Trump has said that if you impeach me, I'm just going to rally my base, that it's going to make people see that I'm a victim here, but that other Republicans are more wary that that's the case. I think there's also the matter of congressional prerogatives. The The House Intelligence Committee has made all the news here because it's Democratic controlled and they've been more combative with the administration. Uh, but the Republican controlled Senate Intelligence Committee also has a stake in actually seeing this whistleblower complaint, which they seem to be legally, uh, you know, they're supposed to be able to see this. Um, and we haven't seen a whole lot of comments from the Senate Republican Intelligence Committee chairman, uh, Richard Burr, but he's generally been more of a bipartisan figure than other committee chairmen that you might expect. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was some uh, consternation behind the scenes from Republican senators, even if they're very reluctant to speak out for fear of running afoul of the president or, you know, jumping into something that they wind up looking foolish later on when it when it turns out that maybe this wasn't as bad as they had feared. What is your sense of how this might play out politically? So there's a reason that Nancy Pelosi has been concerned about this, and it tracks mostly with what happened in the late 90s with Bill Clinton. Uh, he was, of course, impeached right around the 1998 election. Democrats wound up actually winning more seats in that election, doing better than people thought they would. So the conventional wisdom ever since then has been that that impeachment backfired. There are reasons to believe that this is a different situation. One of them is that it is a full 13 months before the election rather than the month before the election, which is when that process started. Uh, the second is that President Trump is far less popular than Bill Clinton was at the time. Bill Clinton was in the 60s with his approval rating when this whole thing launched in the late 1990s. So the idea that you would go after him was a little bit more difficult for Americans to appreciate. And the last thing is that no matter what people think about impeachment right now, that can change. Right now, polls show about one-third of Americans support impeaching Trump. But there was a poll in June from Quinnipiac University that asked people not just whether they supported impeachment, but whether they thought the president deserved it. When you ask that question, support for impeachment rose to 44 percent. There was also a poll on Tuesday from an online pollster, YouGov, that asked people if it was proven that president engaged in some kind of a an arrangement with Ukraine to incentivize them to investigate the Bidens, would you support impeachment? In that case, support for impeachment was actually 55 percent, including 44 percent who felt that it was strongly warranted. Uh, now that we're in this new phase here, now that Nancy Pelosi's on board, now that this is actually happening to some degree or another, we could see something of a rallying effect with Trump opponents who may be 
don't like him and think he's done very bad things but weren't necessarily wanting to go down this road. Um, and back in the Nixon impeachment uh, inquiry, uh, when it was launched, there was not a whole lot of support for it. As it progressed, as the evidence came out, that began to change. So I think that Democrats are hopeful that that's the blueprint for this and not necessarily the Clinton impeachment. So even though the concern from Democrats like Nancy Pelosi was that the polls weren't there to support the political move, that there's a potential case where making the political move could actually move the polls. That's right. And I think that that's an important point here because this is not a static issue. We're going to learn more about Ukraine ostensibly. Um, But there's also another side of this, which is even if this is not necessarily an electoral loser – Pretty much every poll we see right now suggests that Democrats are favored to win the presidency in 2020. Joe Biden is up by as much as double digits. Uh, Bernie Sanders is up by double digits in some polls. Elizabeth Warren leads in almost every poll that we've seen. If you're Democrats and you think that you have a good shot at beating President Trump in 2020, why would you throw such a major wrench in things? It's a variable any way you spin it. It may be a good thing. It may be a bad thing. But if you're on the good side of an election for the time being, do you really want to do anything that's going to potentially change that? Um, I think that argues for maybe this being something that Nancy Pelosi was pushed into rather than something that she wants to do. But it sets the stage for a very unpredictable couple of months and then an unpredictable 13 months uh, from here until the election. Aaron Blake writes for the Washington Post politics blog, The Fix. What's on your list of financial goals? Buying a new house? Strengthening your retirement plan? All of the above? Whatever you're saving for, Fidelity Personalized Planning and Advice can help you reach those goals with digital planning plus one-on-one personal coaching, all with low transparent pricing. To learn more, visit fidelity.com slash your goals or call 1-800-343-3548. Advisory services offered for a fee by Fidelity Personal and Workplace Advisors, LLC, and brokerage services provided by Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. And that's it for this extra episode of Post Reports. We'll have a lot more on Wednesday afternoon, including more on the whistleblower complaint against President Trump and what's next for the House's impeachment inquiry. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. What's on your list of financial goals? Buying a new house? Strengthening your retirement plan? All of the above? Whatever you're saving for, Fidelity Personalized Planning and Advice can help you reach those goals with digital planning plus one-on-one personal coaching, all with low transparent pricing. To learn more, visit fidelity.com slash your goals or call 1-800-343-3548. Advisory services offered for a fee by Fidelity Personal and Workplace Advisors, LLC, and brokerage services provided by Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now. 
wherever you're listening.